You are listening to the American Truth Project Podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody. Now it's time for a grassroots citizens panel. And joining me in studio, as he did previously, is the founder, the president of the Israel group, Barry Nussbaum. Barry, thanks for hanging around for the panel. Glad to be with you again. Also in studio is legal analyst and best-selling author, Wendy Patrick. Wendy, good to see you. Nice to see you. Also joining us is whistleblower attorney, celebrity attorney, and big, big Obama cheerleader, <laughs> Michael Wilson. Michael, good to see you. Great to see you too, Rick. And joining us from San Francisco, Cisco, is radio talk show host on KSFO Radio. The Huffington Post called him one of the top five change agents in America, Ethan Behrman. Ethan, great to have you with us. Rick, it is great to be with you. All right, first topic is this. You may think you're finished with your past, but it, is, it does not mean your past is finished with you. Yeah, that was from a Tom Cruise movie, but Bill Clinton is thinking about that right now. In 2002, Bill Clinton said that, that William O'Malley, he endorsed him for mayor and said he may make a great president someday, may go all the way to the White House. Well, he's trying. He's gone from big uh, loyal supporter to Hillary Clinton to her chief adversary. Let's go to Michael Wilson. Michael, does, uh, do you think the Clintons are, are wishing they didn't put go on public record on this years ago? No, I mean, you know, I think it's great. Um, you know, the one thing I do say, you know, I will say regarding someone like um, an O'Malley in the support is that, you know, he still has, even though he has 15 years of executive experience, you know, he has the Baltimore issue, which is kind of lingering for him. Um, and I think Clinton does need some competition. Oh, you know, she's, there's I, no I question about it. The only one who disagrees is, uh, is Hillary. <laughs> you know, Wendy, uh, you know, be careful what, what you ask for. You just may, you just, you just may get it. Because what happened here is uh, Bill and Hillary, not only, not only did Bill endorse mm -hmm. O'Malley in 02, they have spent the past 13 years or so uh, introducing him to their money donors That's and their right. political advisors and contacts. Now he's our adversary. Rick, what I find impossible to believe is that back then they didn't understand or think that Hillary was going to contemplate a run for the White House. That's amazing. This isn't something she just came up with in the last <laughs> couple of months. This right. is long-range planning. So the divided loyalties and the optics are poor no matter how this plays out. So I, whether or not she needs competition, the fact that it's somebody that they've both supported in the past just blows my mind. Wendy, that's the first thing that hit me, too, is what, what, what was Bill not thinking this might happen with Hillary? What's your take on this story, Barry? I think from Hillary's perspective, it's great news, and I'll tell you why. They've got to have democratic debates. Right. They've got to have democratic debates that set up the issues, and this guy's going to throw softballs at us. <laughs> they're, they're old family friends. They've been allies for a long time. He's not going to get personal. It's not going to be one of those debates with the acrimony and uh, going at each other's throats. I think this is a wonderful thing for Hillary, and it's going to boost her in the campaign. Well, listen, if, if Bill... Clinton and Chris Ruddy of Newsmax can put their past behind them and become friends. I don't think anything will ruin a friendship in a relationship. <laughs> uh, you know, you have to have asked let's, the go to, let's go to, let's go to okay. Ethan okay. in San Francisco. Ethan, uh, <laughs> Bill, is Bill having second, second thoughts on this uh, endorsement he gave 10 years ago, 13 years ago? Yeah, 13 years ago is more than a lifetime ago in terms of politics. Nobody remembers that. We're bringing it up. It's exciting for us to talk about, but it's important for the Democrats, as Barry pointed out, to have these debates, and that's healthy for a representative democracy. Martin Al Malley, though, I mean, 
Seriously, who knows this guy outside of like political pundits and people that live in the, you know, one of the smallest states in the country? Right. And <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you want to say something? Yeah, I just want to. And, and Ethan, you know, I, I love to agree with you on certain things, and I do agree with you here. But I would say this though. Uh, one is on, on the GOP side, you kind of have the same scenario with Rubio and Bush um, in terms of the closest, the closeness of those two. But you have to ask the question here: Is is Martin O'Malley? doing a favor? Is he pulling a friendship favor right here? I thought the exact same thing. To make it seem yes. Clinton has some competition. Yeah. Well, by the way, really by the way, a moment ago I called him William O'Malley. I want to correct that. But, <laughs> but could he be, be uh, pulling a friendship card? Well, some of the things he has said do not sound like a friend, uh, Wendy, when he says that she represents the past. I mean, he could have said something friendlier than that. Well, that's the danger on playing the friendship card is because you think you're bringing somebody into the race to, to generate healthy right. competition, but it ends up going south. And we see that all the time in both the GOP and the Democrats. And that's the danger of thinking that you can do a friendly debate in the primary. All right. Speaking of Hillary, next, next uh, key issue out here is uh, the U.S. District Judge has ruled against the State Department's proposal to wait until January. January 15th of 2016, the January 15th, 2016 deadline to release the email of uh, Hillary Clinton. Now, um, what the judge is saying is that they need, to, they need to release the email in rolling stages. There are over 55,000 pages of email. Let's go to Ethan in San Francisco. You know, Ethan, the one thing that is not being brought up, and I may, I may have mis, misread something here, but I don't think I have that these 55,000 pages of email, which everyone wants to get their hands on, they represent the portion which were not deleted off the server by Hillary. These are the ones she saved. Are we holding our <laughs> breath for nothing here? Yeah, I mean, this is, she is a big fat liar on this one. I'm just going to say it very bluntly. Any idiot that knows how to run an email server can dump all 55,000 pages of emails in a, onto a disk that you send off to the reporters and to the courts. It takes all of 30 minutes. This is obfuscation. She is obstructing justice. She should be in jail. Michael, I remember when, when I remember when the left mocked and ridiculed George Bush for calling it the Google. Right. She can't even put it on a drive, as, as uh, Ethan points out. Well, you have a great point here, Reagan. You have to wonder what happened to the other emails um, at issue here. And the 55,000, I will say that, you know, to have them all released in one batch does not work that way in, in terms of discovery. Usually when you have a document production, there's a rolling production, which means you'll get, like, production number one, production documents number two, so that over time you can continue to work on the matter. Now, what I will say of all this, because Hillary did not, separate her private emails from the State Department, this has caused the taxpayer to dollar to be wasted. I mean, this is oh, ridiculous. 55,000 emails is a lot to do kind of an accounting of, an, an examination Wendy. of. Here is the issue I see with this drip, drip, drip of the emails, right? The slow drip versus the data dump, they're both bad, but here's the, what's going, here's the problem. How do we decide the priority with which they're released? In other words, do the Benghazi emails come first? Are those going to come out next month? Those were deleted. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's exactly right. I think, right. I think there's Ethan like 300 <laughs> that are still there that, that uh, Priority. What's How the priority? Decide? And the judge is going to be overseeing this the entire time the rollout continues. So that's, I guess, some good news. All right, we'll continue with more on the other side of the break. I'm Rick Amato, back with more right after this. <laughs>
Welcome back, everybody. We are in the middle of our grassroots citizens panel. Before the break, we're discussing the fact that a U.S. judge has ruled against uh, the State Department's proposal for Hillary Clinton to release the State Department to release Hillary's email uh, in January of 2016. Barry, you want to comment on this? Yeah, I want to add one thing, Rick. I think this is a big deal about absolutely nothing. <laughs> I think by the time all those emails come out, Hillary is going to say, see, I told you there was nothing there. Meanwhile, what we ought to be concentrating on is where did the thousands and thousands and thousands of emails go that were erased and what was on them. If they can find Lois Lerner's emails and find out what was really being done at the IRS, they can go to the State Department and find the same thing. Those emails can be, can be uh, recovered. They can be recovered. Those are, the, those are the emails, too, that you probably will, you will, you will not see Hillary Clinton smiling, saying, oh, oh no. that She's was, not going to be excited to release <laughs> those, those are the ones they'll fight kicking and screaming. <laughs> All right, next topic, I find this one rather rather interesting. Uh, the, the, the house, there's a House bill that would cap the expenses paid to ex-presidents. Uh, for example, last year, uh, President George W. Bush received $1.3 million in taxpayer money for, for uh, a pension fund and for office space in Dallas, Texas. The Clintons received just under a million dollars, $950,000 for pension as well as uh, office space. This new uh, bill being proposed would limit cap the amount of compensation ex-presidents receive based upon their financial circumstances. Ethan Behrman in San Francisco, I think this is a brilliant idea. I believe it will go nowhere. And I think, <laughs> I think George W. Bush and Bill Clinton ought to be embarrassed for taking this money. What do you say? 100% agreement with you, Rick. I mean, look, we as the taxpayers keep getting shafted by the politicians. They steal from us left and right. This is another example. The Clintons, remember, we know over $25 million in speaking fees in 16 months, and they needed a million dollars from the taxpayers, too. This is fraud. It's theft. And it needs to end now. And I'm with you, though. I don't have a lot of confidence they're going to stop the flow of money. <laughs> Michael, you're a whistleblower attorney. How come yes. you're not blowing a whistle on these presidents? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's only a certain, certain amount of information I can get to. Um, I will say this, though. I, I partially agree with you, Ethan. One of the things here is that, you know, I could see if the presidents had expenses such as security, for example. That's a different story. Um, it is. It is. But, you know, in a way, you also want to say, you know, these presidents are CEOs of this country, and they should be entitled to a golden parachute as well. I understand it's not the private sector, it's the public sector, but, you know, I'm kind of in the middle with What this. is wrong with basing I have no problem with them being taken care of. What is, problem with, what is the problem with basing it on financial circumstances? Well... I think the problem with it, that is you, you, it's a, we're in a market situation. It's capitalism. And I think that if Clinton can go out or Bush can go out and get these speaking fees for $500,000, you know, that's their market value. That's what they're worth. And I don't see but an Michael, issue you, with that. You, you I see, wait, 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 what I see means an issue. testing for Social Security, don't you? So, I mean, Democrats always want means testing on Social Security. Why not means testing wait, for president? Right. But I, said, but, but I said I'm kind of in the middle. What I see an issue with is... Office space. Why do the taxpayers need to pay for office space? That's, That's ridiculous. Right. That's right. Wendy? Well, they've got to have a place with which to strategize their speeches <laughs> that they're going to cut and make $30 million since 2014. So this is a platinum parachute. It's a little more than they need, I think. Barry, hold on, hold on, guys. The, the best job 
in the history of the United States is ex-president, right? <laughs> the Clintons leave office, according to Hillary, they're flat broke, they're in debt. Now they're worth $100 million. It's audacious to say, and, and we'd like reimbursement for this, and we'd like reimbursement for that. The other stuff, the security and so on, that's on a different budget. That's not included in this. This is stuff that they're billing the government for that they shouldn't be. It is a different right. story. I, I, you know what? I, right. I want to say one thing. I, I think there should be some type of limit of, for example, what the, for the ex-president, for example, Obama comes out, right? Now, he's going to get a speaking fee. But if he gets a speaking fee for people on Wall Street, well, you know, he helped bail out these people. So there, I think, down the road could be a potential conflict of interest. Well, there's no question. You look at, you look at a, a politician's actions and who, who is he or she uh, have a conflict of interest. Right. All right. Next topic. Uh, last week, we, we, we mentioned that uh, we reported, I should say, that Ben Carson came out tied with Jeb Bush in a Fox <laughs> News poll among all Republican uh, candidates. Now, uh, a story out that it's actually Scott Walker. Yeah, Carson was one in that poll. But um, among the among the poll of polls, Scott Walker leads all candidates. Let's he hasn't even announced his candidacy yet. Ethan, what is very interesting about Scott Walker, as we all know, is that he has a track record, a track record, a history of pushing back liberal ideas, the liberal power system in Wisconsin in favor of fiscally conservative ideas. Why do you think he's leading in the polls? Well, I think that's exactly it. One, he has executive experience, right? So Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, I might really like those guys, but they don't have executive experience. Anytime a governor enters the race, they have a lot more credibility saying, I can run a country because I just ran a state. So that, that gives Walker a big advantage. Barry Nussbaum, would he be a better negotiator of international trade deals with, say, Denmark because he comes from a dairy state? <laughs> I'll tell you what I do like about Scott Walker is uh, on Israel, he is very well informed. He's a great friend of Israel, and he's calling out the president for abandoning Israel, and I appreciate him for that. Now, some are saying that he lacks international uh, experience. Oh, come on. You've never had a president that's been elected in the last century I that agree. has less executive experience <laughs> on international relations hey, than the was, one we have right now. Barry, he was a community organizer. <laughs> great. I would so. say he lacks charisma, which we all know Scott about. Scott Walker? <laughs> yeah. You know, I was going to say the opposite. In, in the, what I've seen of him so far, and maybe this is a, from a man or a woman perspective, I don't know, but he seems to have a very congenial sort of uh, approachable presence. And I think that's really helps him in the polls. And studies show that that helps all candidates in the polls. Yeah, but in that, I think he's a little, basically he's a little charismatic challenge. Yeah, though. but you know what? In this, in this situation right now, the best thing you can do is not be running yet, and that puts you out in the lead. This is going to be a rugby scrum pretty soon. You've got so many people banging their heads together. You're leading in the poll if you're at 6%. Right. There's so many people running. There's so many issues that are going to have to come uh, be discussed. And, and Ethan, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe you agree with uh, with uh, Michael Wilson that he's got some charisma, charisma problems. Yeah, I don't think that he's uh, reached out to the American people yet. Again, this is a critical issue for any politician that wants to win. And I think this is where the Republicans failed miserably with Mitt Romney in 2012 is the average middle of the road American has to feel a connection with the candidate to vote for him. Mitt Romney felt very foreign, like he was living up in the executive offices. Scott Walker must be very wary of that problem and learn how to connect with everybody. You know, I, and, and we'll leave it right there. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue with our grassroots citizens panel from the edge of America. I'm Rick Amato. We're back after this.
Welcome back, everybody. It is our Grassroots Citizens Panel. Before the break, we were discussing that Scott Walker is leading in a poll of polls among GOP candidates. And Michael, you and Wendy each wanted to make a quick comment. Yeah, I just want to say, Ethan, all due respect, one thing I would say about Scott Walker is, remember, he only has a high school diploma. Okay, He did not graduate from college, and he's self-made. So what I think about him is he's going to appeal to that American middle class, which is going to be the main issue for 2016. And that's part of why I think he is appealing, as he is a regular guy. Yeah. Not everybody in the country has a college, even a college degree. And being kind of the underdog, we really feel like he was reaching out and he's likable. I agree yeah. with that, uh, that I, I think not having that college degree is an asset. All right, next topic. Speaking of assets, uh, George Stephanopoulos made a very, very stupid. The guy has a hundred and five million dollar con <laughs> contract with ABC. No wonder he couldn't remember. Did I give fifty thousand, or was it seventy-five thousand to to my friends? I forget what it was. It was just it was just change <laughs> lost to the sofa watching the NFL game at home. Uh, so, what do you think, Barry? First of all, this is a story of the media elite thinking they're above the rules, just like the political, politically elite. Uh, 46% of those polled by our friend Scott Rasmussen says that they want to see ABC fire Stephanopoulos. And ABC is said to be mauling the decision over. This is an idiot, Stephanopoulos, for putting his $105 million contract in jeopardy. Are his days numbered? I think there's two issues here. Number one, from the ABC perspective, Rick, they own that $105 million. I Regardless. I don't think there's a chance in the world they get rid of him because they'll have to pay him, number one. So they're going to make it, well, we're upset, but we'll, we'll get over it. From the perspective of what he did in showing his partisanship for the Clintons, there's absolutely no way anyone is ever going to believe him ever again if he's going to be reporting on politics because he's so biased and he's so in the camp of the person leading the Democratic Party right now. And he worked for them for a very long time. So, so ABC will find a way to keep him because they don't want to pay a contract if someone's not there and find a way to gloss around it, explain, explain why he's no longer. Yeah, but I, I got news politics. for you. I don't think the Republicans are ever going to let him no. uh, engage in any kind of discourse with any I candidates. Say, I will say as, as an attorney, a defense to contract formation is deceit or fraud. So, I'm so there may you, be a clause Michael, out of there. This was public record, and, and he's going to have good lawyers. They're going to say, look, everybody knew but, I gave well, the money, come, and it was disclosed. Let's come back to what Michael said, Wendy, uh, as, as Barry points out, that, that it was public information. But Stephanopoulos never disclosed it when he interviewed the, the book author, Peter Schweitzer. Perhaps this could be the out for ABC or not. Well, here's the problem if the ABC tries to take that as an out. What are they going to do with him? If he's not going to be reporting right. on politics, I'm not sure what he can be reporting on, given that the election cycle is just gearing up. So he's going to argue it's an omission, it's not an act. Now, legally, there's not a difference It's if it's a misrepresentation. But it's not even that. It's a failure to report. And I know he says, yeah, but it was to the foundation. But there are plenty of charities. And you're also talking about ABC now being as viewed as a station that's not... I mean, that is having journalists who are biased. It's being become a, a biased station. And so down the road, are they going to lose advertising dollars? And so it's, you have to kind of weigh that. Yeah, uh, here, here's my, here's my, I'll weigh in on this. Number one, we on the right knew that for decades. <laughs> and number two, they're not going to lose advertising dollars. Only Fox would lose it. All right. Not anyone on the left on that one. All right. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Ethan Behrman. Ethan, what's your take on this story? 
Well, first off, you you talked about media elite and political elite. And don't forget, George Stephanopoulos is both (laughs) as one who worked for the Clinton White House. He was a key operative in Washington before he made the transition to, and I have to air quote, journalism. So this is not a journalist. When you have an inherent bias, he has an inherent bias. He worked for the Clinton White House in the first place. This guy can't be involved in political coverage anymore. You know, I kind of say one thing, and I agree with you, and I heard his apology on-air apology. I actually watched it. And to me, it was just, you know, an attorney gave him the words, right, that was scripted, and he read it. And what really bothered me about that is the apology. He says, but this money was given on behalf of the spread of AIDS, of children. So it's one of those things where you see these big corporations who get fined a billion dollars. That's what I do, whistleblower law. And then they say, but there was, I paid $500 million. I paid a billion dollars, but there was no wrongdoing. You know what might happen here is the same thing that happened with Brian Williams, is there was the first chance at an apology, and now we're waiting for him to say something more. What that might actually determine or help determine what ABC does with them. Yeah, there's a big difference. So Brian Williams did the same thing wrong over and over and over and over and over again. And every time they looked into him more, they found more. Got worse. Right? Yeah. So there is a big difference. That's a great point. You know, Ethan, it, Michael Wilson talked about how, how inauthentic George Stephanopoulos is. It's not an easy name to say with the plural, with the ownership on the end, apostrophe S, yes, uh, with his apology. You know what else looked bad? And I referenced it earlier in a conversation when he said, you know, it was 50,000. Oops. Next day, it was 75. I forgot. We talk about everyday Americans who tune into ABC. I think everyday Americans cannot relate to someone who can't remember if they gave anything or was it 50,000 or was it 75,000? It just looks bad. Yeah, it looks terrible on every level. But again, the, the key issue is we tune into the news, the average American. I watch the news. When I watch the news, I want to see somebody delivering information. I watch shows like the Rick Amato show because I want to see opinion. But George Stephanopoulos was presenting himself as a neutral arbiter of right. information. Right. And we got to leave it right the there, Ethan. I got to jump in and rudely cut you off. That's our panel. I want to thank whistleblower attorney, Obama cheerleader, Michael Wilson, (laughs) legal analyst, best-selling author, Wendy Patrick, the president of the Israel Group, Barry Nussbaum, and KSFO San Francisco radio talk show host, Ethan Behrman. I want to thank you each for being part of our grassroots citizens panel. Thanks for listening to the American Truth Project, a 501c3 nonprofit. Please subscribe to our podcast. And follow us on our social media channels to stay plugged in to the truth. Go to americantruthproject.org and subscribe to our newsletter to stay informed on the latest news.